quick word of prayer before we get in together. Um, I'm going to open up just again with a quick word of prayer before we get into God's word, and um, we'll be in Psalm 35 tonight. Let's pray. Father, again, your word is, your powerful word is what um, melts the hardened heart, breaks the heart of stone. It encourages the heart that is failing. It helps the heart that is weak. And each one of us, God, is in a particular position here tonight where we are in need of the truth of your word ministered by the Spirit of God to help us once again do what it is you ultimately call us to do, and that is to worship you, to love you with all that we have. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to do that tonight through Psalm 35, and it's to your word we look now. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So you can open to Psalm 35. Um, I'm going to read through its entirety. And then we're going to go back and just draw out a few of the things that we see presented in it and hopefully be encouraged, challenged by God's Word. Um, I would have titled this message tonight, well, I have titled the message tonight, Leave It to the Lord. And we're going to see David make a very clear expression of that um, in this psalm. So, join me, Psalm 35 of David. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it, to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down to them in mourning. But at my stumbling, stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing like profane mockers at a feast. They gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O oh Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation and the mighty throng. I will praise you. Let not those who rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. 
They do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me, and they say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord. Be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God, and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say, we have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. I hope you can hear David's prayer and his plea in that psalm. This is one of the psalms that he just kind of dives right into it from the beginning. He jumps into um, his prayer before the Lord. And I hope you can hear his honest plea to God in calling God um, into his circumstances to fight his battle for him. Um, He would start off with asking the Lord to contend with those who contend with him. I think one of the, the things that's helpful in this is the length of the psalm itself, I think, lends itself to the seriousness of the matter. Like, can you imagine this psalm but, you know, like eight verses? It would be kind of a real short, condensed version, and I don't know if we would really kind of gather the steam and the depth of what it is that David's communicating in his um, plea to the Lord. The psalm kind of goes on for a little bit of a prolonged period of time because David is trying to communicate and and God is trying to communicate through David how we can approach him as um, David faces this great enemy that seeks to undo him and we face a great enemy as well that seeks to undo us. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I find myself kind of praying this way where I just tend to go on and on because I'm trying to think uh, as if God need, as if God doesn't already know what it is I'm saying, I'm trying to say the same thing like 10 different ways just to make sure that God really understands like what I'm trying to say. He really gets how important this is to me. And I think David does that a little bit in this psalm, and he does that in a lot of psalms. He's, his heart is being poured out. The length of the psalm communicates how important it is to him, and um, his, really, his, his plea to the Lord is that he would come and, and fight on his behalf. Um, I think one of the sweetest, I think the way that he describes God in the very beginning is very, um, again, it may be a challenge to the way that we usually view God because he's presented, he gave in David's mind's eye and to us and how God presents himself to us in this scripture is God is a warrior. He says, contend with those who contend against me, fight against those who fight against me take hold of shield and buckler. He's asking God to arm himself with weaponry. Rise and help me. Draw the spear and the javelin. This isn't, you know, get the, get the teapot going and make sure all the napkins are put out so we can invite this guy over and sit down and have a discussion. This is, God, grab your weaponry, and I need you to go after. And David's prayer, as you've seen through this, his song is that you would slay the one that is opposed to me. And, um, and again, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I think one of the sweetest phrases, and this is found at the end of verse three, 
say to my soul, I am your salvation. He's talking to God and he's saying, God, I just need to hear your words once again. Speak, please speak to my soul and say to me, David, I am your salvation. Don't ever forget that. And I think that's a really sweet word and reminder for us as well. Don't ever forget that God speaks to your soul and he says to you, fear not, I am your salvation. Don't be anxious for anything. I'm your salvation. I mean, this, I was like, had this on my mind as I was going through this ordeal this afternoon, and I'm, I'm, I'm in this battle of like, I'm saying this, Lord, but I'm just really anxious about the situation that's going on and finding myself needing to apply, like, what I'm going to talk about tonight. <laughs> this is the danger of, like, being a preacher, you know? You have to, like, practice what you preach, and the Lord forces you to do that. That's kind of an aside. But David, he, I think these words are really sweet. Say to my soul, I am your salvation, and God speaks to us in that way, and he reminds us he is our Savior. He loves us. He's our salvation. He provides us grace and mercy. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. That's incredible. But he would then say, let them be put to shame, right? So go after them. Let them be put to shame. Let them be turned back and disappointed. Let them like chaff before the wind. Um, let their way be dark and slippery. And so he's asking the Lord to, to go after them and to pursue them. And this is why we see the, the why in verses 7 and 8. For because without, without cause, they, I did nothing wrong. They have simply come after me. Um, without cause, they dug a pit for my life. What's interesting in verse 8 is that he turns it into the singular. He's been talking about the plural the whole time. The enemy has been presented as plural. Let them, 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 they, they. And then all of a sudden in verse 8, he goes singular. And in the rest of the psalm, he goes back to the plural. Let my enemies, them, them, they, they. He says in verse 8, let destruction. Right? So read verse 7. For without cause, they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for me. Let destruction come upon, and the, the normal thing would be them. But he says, let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him, let him fall into it to his destruction. And so he, he singularizes his enemy down really to one person. And I think when you think about the context of Scripture, right, Timothy, tell, Paul tells us, tells Timothy, and God tells us that all scriptures, um, God breathed, written down for doctrine, reproof, instruction, and training in righteousness. So the question that we ask ourselves is, how does this passage instruct me, teach me, train me to, into righteousness? Um, and you look at it in a larger picture. David is, he's, he's identified one singular opponent that seeks to undo him. Now, this shouldn't be really foreign language to the believer because we, we essentially have the same problem. We have one singular opponent that seeks to undo us. He sought to undo the kingdom of God from the beginning. He seeks to undo the church. He, he, seeks to, he hates everything that has to do with righteousness and holiness and justice. And in that way, the psalm is relatable to us. As David is crying out that God would bring justice and vindication to him in his life against his great opponent, the great opponent of Christ, the great opponent of God, the great opponent of the church, the great opponent of every believer is one that stands against him and seeks to, who's the father of lies and, and has been a murderer from the beginning, Satan himself. And then he, um, our flesh and the world contribute as well to our plight. 
I would read these words and I would say, I mean, I don't have a problem. If I'm reading this and I'm saying this of Satan, let destruction come upon him. This, this is my prayer. Like, God, bring the enemy to ruin. I'm tired of his ways in the world. I am tired of my flesh that is that he provokes to bring about sinful desires from within me. I'm tired of the world that I live in, that I'm submerged in, that is under his rule and authority to a degree that um, provokes sinful desires and responses in me as well. Destroy him. Let that net be, let that net that he hid ensnare him. The trap and the temptation, let him fall into it, to his destruction. Verses 9 and 10 is almost like the refrain, you know, the refrain of a a song is um, something that you can sing repeatedly through it. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones, and again, catch the language of David, like his his whole being is involved in this. All my bones. Again, if you've... Have you ever been in a situation where it's just like it feels like every fiber within you is just so thankful, so, so happy, so joyful in whatever it is that God is doing or what he ever, whatever it is that he has done, that like all of you is involved in it. And that's what David is saying. Like, all my bones shall say, oh, Lord, who is like you? I mean, this should be the unified voice of God's people every time God's people meet, especially when we meet for congregational worship. We should all be on the same page and say, O Lord, who is like you? Delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and the needy from him who robs him. And he goes on from there um, to talk about the contrast, and this is really, really where we, where I'm getting the, the title of "Leave It to the Lord." Um, keep in mind here that David is asking God to do something, to pursue his enemies, to destroy his enemies. Destruction of his enemies is what David is praying for and singing about. What if we sung a song like that on Sunday morning? What if we gathered together? And one of our songs was like. Praise your name, Lord, destroy our enemies, smite them to the ground, crush them to rubble, into the dust of the ground. Again, the Christian has a good reason to sing that if we're talking about the victory of Christ and the destruction of our great foe and opponent, Satan. But David here, he says, listen, look at what he says in verse 13. But I, when they were sick... I wore sackcloth, I afflicted myself with fasting, I prayed with head bowed on my chest, I went about as though grieved for my friend or my brother, as one who laments his mother, I bow down in mourning. It's interesting that David is praying for God to do something that he wouldn't dare do himself. Like that is just not like us. When we see the opportunity to vindicate ourselves, when we see the opportunity for revenge, oh, oh, we want it. We jump on it. But look at the integrity and the righteousness of David as it really reflects the integrity and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He always submitted himself to the will of the Father, entrusting himself to what the Father planned and what the Father willed. 
always doing, he's in John 5, I always do what the Father is doing. I only do what the Father does. And David, it's incredible that he prays that God would do something that he wouldn't dare do himself. In fact, he does the opposite. Not only, it would be one thing to go, I have an opportunity to do this guy in, but I'm not. I'm just going to refrain, and I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to let things run their course, and I'm going to let God handle that person. That would be one thing. He goes even further as to say, not only do I not take matters into my own hands, but I'm actually sorry. I feel pity on them. I'm convicted in my heart about their position and what's coming to them. Like, I, I, I pray with my head bowed to my chest. I wear sackcloth. I mean, these, this, is, this is imagery of lamentation. And he's saying, I put on sack. When they were sick, I didn't rejoice that they were sick. When my enemy is sick, when that person, when that coworker is sick, when that family member is sick, and I finally get a reprieve from their constant in my life, I don't, I'm not, I don't rejoice in that. I wear sackcloth. I afflict myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. I went about as a grieved for my friend or my mother, brother and one who laments for his mother. I bowed my head in mourning. Is that the way that we respond? And the contrast is verse 15 and 16, but at my stumbling, what do they do? My enemies do what they do. They rejoiced and gathered. They threw a party when they saw me stumble. They gathered together against me, wretches. He calls them wretches. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing like profane mockers at a feast. They gnashed at me with their teeth. I mean, this is like, the picture, I mean, this, when I read the contrast here, verses 13 through 16, I picture our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The crowd gathering around him, gnashing their teeth, um, rejoicing at his stumbling, gathering together around him, wretches that did not know him. They tore at him without ceasing like profane mockers at a feast, and they gnashed their teeth. But he does not respond that way. Instead, he responds with receiving the affliction. And what does he pray? Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. This is like Stephen at his execution as well. Father, forgive them. They're so blind. David is like, they're so blind. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the foolishness. They don't know the recompense. They don't know the wrath and the judgment that's being stored up for them that they're going to receive. And so he humbles himself. But then he does um, go back and says, How long, O Lord? His, uh, his plea to the Lord continues. How long, O Lord? I think this is always, if you've ever been in a situation of of pressure or conflict for an extended period of time, you begin to ask yourself this question, how long, oh Lord, is this going to go on? How long can this person continually batter me? I will thank you in the great congregation, in verse 18, in the mighty throng, I will praise you. Jump down to verse 22. 
And this is really the, I think, the, um, the hope that David has. You have seen, O Lord, be not silent. God sees, and David believes this. God sees and God knows, and David believes it. And so David can conduct himself with uprightness and righteousness and integrity, even when being mistreated. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication. He does pray for vindication, for, for being acquitted, for his name being cleared. But vindicate me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness. Let them be put to shame, verse 26, and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. And the contrast is in verse 27 and 28. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad. Put them to shame. Let them be disappointed. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor. But let those who delight in me and my righteousness shout for joy. David knows that his desire, right, right now, they're celebrating. Right now, the, the, the wicked are celebrating at the demise of David and his righteousness and integrity. But he knows that there's coming a day when the tables are turned. And they will be the ones suffering. And he will be the one rejoicing. And he will be the one praising God. Then my, and then I love verse 28, how he, he um, the end of 27, 28. Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and your praise all the day long. And I think, again, this is the song that the believer can sing because we know this is true for us in Christ. He has the victory. He has won. He has defeated death and conquered. And he rules with complete power and righteousness and goodness right now. And we are awaiting the day when his vindication comes and he makes all things right. I mean, we can sing this song in a, not, not in the same way that David does because we don't necessarily face the same circumstances, but in a, in a, in a lot of ways, a very much more real and, and spiritual way because of our opponent, Satan, that's been defeated and crushed. And the life and the victory that we have in Christ in him in this life and in the one to come. So um, go ahead and close in a word of prayer, and then we have one more song to sing together. And then again, we'll pray after that, and we'll be done for the evening. Father, we are again thankful for the victory that Christ has won on our behalf. I'm thankful, Father, that you give us songs like this to sing that find their fulfillment in the work of Christ. We could be delivered from every earthly human foe, opponent in our lives, Lord. But that would ultimately not do much for the soul. But to be delivered out of the jaws of death being delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son, being delivered from the clutches of the God of this world that blinds the minds of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the glory of God that's presented in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can rejoice in that, and we should rejoice, and I pray that we would.
God. We are a people that seek to conduct ourselves in this life in a way that it's consistent with the righteousness of Christ. And we fail in many ways, Lord, but there are times where, where we get it right and we are mistreated as well. And I pray, God, that in those seasons we would entrust ourselves to you. We would leave it to the Lord, as David did. Not only not, not rejoicing when our foes face hardship, but that we would actually be brought to prayer on their behalf. Change our hearts, Lord, for there's much, much work to be done in them. We love you and we thank you for your love for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.